Our scripture reading this morning is from the Psalms, Psalms number 119, and this morning we'll be reading verse 65 through 80. 65 through 80. Psalms number 119, beginning at verse 65, Thou hast dwelt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and dost good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. The heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me, given me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. Let I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Let thy turn tender mercies come unto me, that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dwelt perversely with me without a cause, perversely without, with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies, let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I can be not ashamed. Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. Yesterday, some of you know that my neighbor of 33 years when Kathy and I lived in the valley, his wife died quite some time ago, and he was staying with us for a couple of weeks before his apartment in the caretaker's home, uh, an elderly facility, was opened up, and uh, he asked me while he was here. You know, could we have services at, at your church? Now, normally I won't allow outsiders um, for the reasons of people suing churches nowadays and stuff for stuff like that. But as a, as a member of this body of people, I felt somebody I know that's okay. So I allowed him to have his services for his wife here yesterday. And uh, they allowed me to preach. And I thought about the message that I would bring to him. Jan, Arlie's sister, who was in charge of putting everything together, she listed it in the uh, little pamphlet that you give out at the beginning, you know, shows the, the itinerary for the message. She listed it as um, encouraging, Pastor John. You know, you, the songs, and encouraging, Pastor John. And I thought to myself, what a wonderful thing to list it as, because 
as far as I know, Jan's the only one who goes to church out of that family. And as I talked with most of them yesterday afterwards, maybe one or two other ones go to a church of some kind. Uh, and even, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure Jan believes in the truth of, of God's sovereignty. So, what, an, what a, a wonderful phrase to use to preach to someone who has never heard about God in a time when we've come together for people to go th for a person who went through that door marked death. Every person in that room and every person in this room and every person who may listen to this recording can say that door is not far from me. Some of us, that door is closer. Every one of us, that door is closer than it was yesterday. A message of encouragement for those who have never heard the true word of God and a message of encouragement for you and I who know the Lord. Are we not encouraged every time our Lord is talked about? When we hear the promises of our Father? What he's given to each and, of us, each and every one of us, especially as we walk out these doors and go out into the world with all the chaos that's around us, huh? What encouragement. What encouragement our Lord has for us in his word. The message that God calls his elect is the same message that he keeps his elect with that we read about in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. It's this very message right here. You know, I, I mentioned to him, I said, if, if Patty could come back, if she could come back from the other side, from eternity, what would be her message of encouragement to you folks right now? It's the same message that she would have for anybody. Because you see, once you get on the other side of that door marked, Eternity, you know, you know for a fact you're in the presence, whether with him or without him, that he's the Lord of all things. We now, we see that, don't we? But we see that by faith. Once you go through that door, faith becomes reality. What would be her message? It'd be this, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Amen. Last week we read these words in Isaiah 55, 6, and I closed with these words yesterday. After talking about the sovereignty of our God in creation, the sovereignty of our God in salvation, and the sovereignty of God where he stands right now, and that will be my three points this morning. I, I close with these verse, this verse, Isaiah 55, 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. That word seek doesn't mean seek and you're going to find him and that's it, you're done. That means every moment of every day. Put our Lord before us. If you've heard these words of who God is, put your Lord before you. All the time. For all things. 
Lord, how, how will I bring a message to the people this day? How can, I, how can I get up and go next door and study? How can I get in my car and go down? Lord, these lights are in your hand. Turn them any way you wish, you will. Because I know it's going to be for my good. This is the message for all of God's elect. This is the message for babes in Christ and for the mature. We seek our Savior in all that we do. Look with me, if you would, at verse 3 of Philippians chapter 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now I want to look at these statements, these three different statements in this verse in reverse, if you will. Our first point is having no confidence in the flesh. Our first conviction, when God calls one of his people out of darkness, just as he did to myself, sitting there in that pew next to my sister Shirley, just as he did to my wife, sitting next to me that day when she said, wrote me a note, she says, I understand. Just as that day when Mike Loveless and his wife first came to this church and heard the gospel preached, we've heard his testimony many a times. And I would bet every one of you could say something to that very same fact. The first thing he must convict us of is what we are. We must know that we need something. We must be shown that we have a need. There's something in our lives that we can't do. Did you ever stop to think of why there's so many different religions in the world? Because everybody's out there trying to do something to satisfy their conscience. Everybody's going about doing what they think is right and trying to satisfy their conscience. I didn't know I was trying to satisfy my conscience, but I was. I was justifying myself. Oh, I'm not that bad of a guy. Yeah, I did this, but I didn't do that. Oh, I, I did that, but I, I gave to over here. I go to church with my mom once a year. That's got to count for something, right? We justify what we are. We must be convicted of what we are. Our first point is having no confidence in the flesh. We must... We must see that in our flesh there is no good thing. Isn't that what God's Word says? Have you ever had someone tell you, I don't believe that. I believe we all have something good in us. If you just light that little flame, if you light that little flame, it'll, it'll grow. Our Lord says there are none good. No, not one. And if you don't believe God's word, you call him a liar. Our first conviction is when the Spirit of God converts that old dead heart. To convince that old dead heart. The one that was standing before him, you are dead in trespasses and sin. You have nothing, nothing that I need. In fact, you have earned my wrath. 
Turn over to 2 Kings chapter 5. Only the Spirit of God can convict a sinner of this truth. You've heard this story many a time, some of you, but for those of you who haven't, there was a day we had a woman come into this church, heard how the pastor preached on the depravity of man, the death of the natural heart, and she got up and got her grandchild and walked out of here and said, I'm not that kind of a sinner. That's the natural man right there. Only God the Spirit can convict a sinner of this truth. We are dead in trespasses and sin. There are none good, no, not one. Unregenerate man cannot understand the truths of God, for they are foolishness to the natural man. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? Where are the wise? Where are the scribes? Put them to naught. There's only one wisdom, Lord, in this, earth, in this world, folks, and that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Every, everything about him is foolishness to the natural man. What do you mean, John? What do you, what do you mean I'm dead? Pinch me, it hurts. You can't tell me I'm dead. They don't know what the Spirit is. They don't understand the death of the Spirit and sin. What do you mean I can do nothing to save myself? I can change my ways. I can do this. I can do that. This way, my way, according to my understanding, is just as good as any. Isn't that what Cain did? When he brought his offering to the Lord, did he not come in a way that was his own? And what did the Lord say to that? I'll have none of that. Abel came with a, a lamb that was slain. The blood of a lamb. A picture of that lamb, that great lamb without spot. Who came for us. Who was given for us. That's the way of God. Man's way is always a way of their own imagination. Only the Spirit of God can convict a sinner of truth. In Isaiah, you don't need to turn there, 53, 6, we read these words, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone unto his own way. Let's see an example of that. Are you with me in 2 Kings chapter 5? beginning at verse 1, and now Naaman, a captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. He was a leper. Leprosy is often referred to in Scripture exactly what sin is. You know why? Because leprosy fills your whole body. It gets into the blood system. Folks, we're not just a piece of sin on my finger or my foot. We are sin from head to toe. It is in our blood. It is what we are by nature. You know why you could tell a lie without being taught by your parents? In fact, I don't know about you folks, but if I ever got caught lying, Dad said, go out and get me a willow stick. And if I came back with anything shorter than this, he'd go out and get one and I'd get the double spanking. 
Anybody else be in a situation like that? Oh, I've never lied. Have you ever stretched the truth just one little bit? Have you ever had somebody say, did you get in that cookie jar? No, not me, Dad. One little lie is because we are sinners by nature. Naaman was a leper. Verse 2, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had bought and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him from his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, and six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he bought, and he brought a letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him from his leprosy. Here I can take, take, take my gold. I, I'm, I'm, I, I want to get rid of this sin that's in me. Take what I can give you. Here I've got this letter from, my, from the master of my nation. Take this. Take this sin from me. Let's go on. Verse 7, And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. He came to the word of God with all the things that he had of this world. Best part's about to come, folks. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go, go and wash in the Jordan seven times. <laughs> what? You don't want my gold? You don't want all you, you don't want my letter that I have? You don't want something that I got in my hand here? You don't want something that I can do? No. Go wash in the Jordan seven times. But Naaman was wroth. And he went away and he said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me. This man of God, he's, I'm a man of power. Surely he will come out to me. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpa rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Are not what I have in my own land better than what God is offering me here? 
May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, master, if the prophet had bid thee to do something great, some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he says to thee, wash and be clean, then went he, then went Naaman down, and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto him, the flesh of a child, and he was clean. Our Lord says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says these words, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heathens, as I'm sorry, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Folks, the ways of God, the ways of God, I am the way, he says. The Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to come to God by getting up and walking down here to the front aisle thinking that you're coming to some kind of altar. They call it an altar call. I remember a message Pastor Gene was bringing one time. He said, he said, I've been calling you to the altar since we started the message. It's not this piece of wood here in front of you. It's the only altar worth coming to, Jesus Christ. Well, we give an altar call, but it's not something for you to do, it's something that God does. It's called the new birth. Born again. You can't do anything about that. Only God can touch the heart of a man and cut away that old stone that shook its fist at him one day and said, I will not have you rule over me, even though he does. Only God can cut away that heart and give a heart that loves him, and he does it to everyone whom he first loved. Do I know the Lord? I love him. I love him with all my heart. I hear that from all kinds of religious folks. I love Jesus. Oh, yeah. I love Jesus, and he loves everybody. He died for everybody. No, he didn't. If that's your Jesus, he's so weak, why would you worship him? We all know somebody goes to hell. And those who go are the ones who Christ did not die for. It does not hurt to say this over and over and over again. The power of God was shed on that blood, on that cross. The power of God's blood was shed on that cross a little over 2,000 years ago. And that's all power in heaven and earth and under the earth. That's assurance to a sinner. I don't want a maybe. I don't want something that might if I do something. I want something assurance. Assured. I am kept by his power, by his blood. We have no other assurance other than that, folks. Can you rely on yourself? Can you, can you take any confidence in what you do? If you do, you're following the wrong path. 
Lay what you do aside and have confidence in what he has done. Confidence in his power. And that brings us to our next part of the text, the second of the three. Rejoice in Christ. When we have confidence in our Lord and Savior, what more can we do but praise the Lord? My Redeemer, sing the song. Tell the story. How my Lord has loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that what you do? Isn't that what comes to your heart? Do you not get excited when somebody says, Hey, you know anything about God? Oh yes, I know. I know a little bit about him. I don't know everything, but I know a little bit. He came to save a people. His name is Jesus. And he did. He did. He saved us. No empty seats in heaven. Naaman stated in the last verse that we read in verse 15. He said, and he returned to the... And he returned to the man of God, and he and all of his company came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth. Did you catch that? This man of power, who no doubt had gone out into all of the known world at that time and knew all the different stuff that was going on around in the world, there is no other God in any of those other places. Behold now, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Did you know you and I are Israel? We are. We are Israel by spirit. I know. If you pull up my bloodline, you're going to find what? Let's see. Dutch. I know I'm going to get this wrong, huh? Captain's over here shaking her head. Let's just say, I will not list them all off, but there's at least five different things I know that I am of. None of them are Israel as far as I know. As far as Jewish Israel over there in, in the Middle East. My God says, I am Israel. Not all of Israel is Israel. We are the children of God. Kept by his power. Loved by him before the world ever was. We heard about that in our Friday night message. Daniel, oh, that was such a good message, folks. I highly recommend you go to Sermon Audio and listen to that over and over again. It's the basics. It goes back to that very basic thing. We were predestinated before the world began. Predestinated in Him. Loved in Him. Made perfect in Him. For His glory. Rejoicing in Him. We rejoice in Him. Because we know that we have no confidence in the flesh. We know there's nothing in our flesh to have confidence in. We have our confidence in Him. What else are we going to do but rejoice in that? Be thankful for that. Praise Him for that. When the Spirit of God takes up residence in our new heart, one of His chosen, he, he, we give Christ all the glory. 
We read in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 29 through 31, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him, but of God, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. To declare him Lord is everything. Lord of everything is to give him glory. And the people of God do just that. We rejoice in his lordship. Recently, speaking with a woman about different things, and she said, I'm pretty sure that person never decided anything for God. Well, I decided when I was went right into telling me how they decided when they were going to follow Christ. Went right into telling me how they did this. And I'm pretty sure that person's never made that decision. It was all based on their decision. Are you thankful that it wasn't for you to decide? I know now once I was blind, but now I see that if I was left to myself, I'd have never made a decision for him at all. And I would just about bet everything on it that you who belong to him know the same, same thing. We declare him Lord of everything. That's, to, that's what it is to give him glory. We rejoice in his lordship of all creation. Listen to the words of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. No, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him is life, and the life that was the light of men. And then in verse 10, we read these words, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, now get a load of this, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Can it be any more clear than that? Nor of the will of the flesh. We're talking about those who have been given. Those that he gave the power to become the sons of God, which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There you go. Chosen. Elect. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In Colossians 1, verses 12 through 17, we read these words, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, 
who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. We rejoice that he is Lord of all salvation. Turn over to Luke chapter 19, if you would, please. Luke chapter 19. We rejoice. We rejoice that our Lord is the Lord of all salvation. In the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, we read these words. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little in, in stature. And he ran before and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. Our Lord is being thronged. All kinds of people around him. And he comes to the sycamore tree and he looks up. Ah, there you are. Yep, I knew that's where you'd be. Right there. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus! Make haste and come down, for today I must abide in thy house. And he made haste, and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a, is a what? A man who is a what? Hold your finger there for just a minute. I was talking to Brother David or Daniel, and he said, we were coming back from Coloma. We were driving, and he goes, yeah, you know, and he just cut loose. I mean, he just cut loose right there in the car. I wanted to just keep driving. We actually got to our destination. I was like thinking to myself, ah, well, let's just sit here. Go ahead and finish what you're doing. <laughs> he cut loose. He goes, he goes, yeah, Sandy and I are on, to a fam on our way to a family reunion. He goes, hey, I got a cousin there. You know, some people might be ashamed of this, but she's a harlot. He starts laughing. She's one of my most favorite cousins. She's not just a harlot. She owned the harlot's house. He goes, and, and he goes, I got another cousin. He goes, well, you know, he had an affair. And to cover up his affair, he had her husband killed so he could marry her. And I'm going to see him. And he said it with excitement in his voice. And he went on and he went on and he went on to the scriptures and said, this is my family. They were all sinners. This is my family. I know what it means for my pastor, Gene Harmon, to say, I love you all. I've come to love you all because you're like me. You're looking for a Savior. And you're looking in the place the Scripture points us to, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. 
gone to be with a sinner, they say. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him tenfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day, bring a message of encouragement to you folks this day right now if you've never heard the word of God seek ye the Lord while he may be found this day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. We rejoice for our Lord is all of our salvation. Oh, the joy in the heart of a lost sinner to know that Christ first sought me. We rejoice that he is Lord on his throne. Turn over to Revelation 5 if you would. We won't be much longer. Revelation 5. We rejoice that our Lord is on his throne. In Revelation 5, we get a description of that. And I think as children of God, we know where our Savior is, don't we? We know that death could not hold our Lord, for he says... I lay down my life and I pick it up again. I believe that. There were men on this earth who saw it for themselves, who put their hand in his side and said, Yea, I believe you, Lord. Men who sat down to eat with him when he had holes in his hands from the spikes. Men who saw him ascending to glory. And as they stood there watching him go up, a couple of angels standing by, what are you looking at? He's gone, he'll come again. He sits on his throne this moment. Why is that important to a sinner? Because he's not lost control of anything. I don't care what's going on in them houses that we call our white houses or our capitals or whatever. It doesn't matter what's going on there anymore. Our Lord controls it all, and it's all for our good. I saw, verse 1, chapter 5 of Revelation, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who? Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the scales thereof? No man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. <coughs> and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne 
And of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. As it had been slain, the very lamb that the, feet, that the folks washed ascended to heaven, the very lamb that is described in scriptures for us in that very first book, the book of Genesis, that God slain and clothed his people with. The very lamb that we are clothed in his righteousness, the lamb without spot. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, and are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came, and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book of the four beasts and the four and twenty elders, he fell, they fell down before him, the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beast and the elders and the number of them that was ten thousands, ten thousand times ten thousands, and thousands and thousands. Folks, our flesh stumbles and trips all the time. The battle is not done between the flesh and the spirit. That battle will be over when the Lord takes us out of this earth. Whether we go through that door that we were talking about earlier, or whether the Lord comes and takes us out of this world directly to Him on His second coming. But the spirit that dwelleth in us does not. He's already won the battle. Turn over to Romans chapter 8 and I'll bring this to a close in just a second. Actually, two more, two more sections. We'll make it quick. Romans chapter 8. Just a couple of verses there and then we'll turn back to Philippians chapter 2. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation, no charge. All that God would charge his people with was laid upon his son. He condemned his son in our stead. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now go over to Philippians Chapter 2. Worshiping Christ is worshiping Him in, in spirit. That's what we talked about. That was our third, our, our last and final point of our uh, initial text. We have no confidence in the flesh. We glory in our Lord and Savior, we worship Him in spirit. And worshiping our Lord in spirit, each and every child of God, when they've come to the knowledge of who He is, will read these words. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, 
any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, writes Paul, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. What's that one mind? Jesus Christ is Lord of all things. What's the one message of comfort that anyone would, that could come back from that other door from, the, from eternity would give? It's the same message. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Sovereign ruler of everything. Be of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Folks, we're going to come to the table in just a moment. Remembering what our Lord did made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in the fashions of man, he humbled himself. Humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee. Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, of Lord, of the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. But don't think that stops there. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. You get up in the morning, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to brag or anything to share with you. This, this, this is all of my Lord's doing. Because I never used to do that. I never used to do this. But I look up and my eyes will start to focus and I'll see the light coming in through the window. Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you for another day. I can go out today and proclaim you to someone. Maybe you'll call them out of that darkness. Maybe, Lord, maybe it'll be my sister-in-law who lives in the trailer out back. I don't know what God's doing in her heart, but she cried all the way through the message yesterday. Maybe it'll be my son. Maybe it'll be one of your family. God gives the ability to go forth and claim, claim him before our friends and relatives. Before we come to the table, would you stand with me for just a moment and turn to page 493.